0: Thank you for joining the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast with your host, Clayton Craddock. Joe Nero arrived in New York City via Philadelphia to attend the Manhattan School of Music in 2002. Since then, he's worked with such artists as Billy Porter, Patina Miller, Rob McClure, Joshua Henry, and many, many others. Joe held a percussion chair for Broadway's Revival of Annie, but he's often working as a substitute drummer for Broadway musicals, one of the most challenging gigs in New York City. He's often involved in up to ten shows simultaneously, and it's not uncommon for him to play at four different theaters in the same weekend. Joe has been a sub on the following Broadway shows. South Pacific, Next to Normal, La Cage, Everyday Rapture, Book of Mormon, Sister Act, Nice Work If You Can Get It, Leap of Faith, Wicked, Matilda, Cabaret, Aladdin, Bronx Tale, The Cher Show, The Band's Visit, Kiss Me Kate, West Side Story, and Dear Evan Hansen, among many others. Joe is currently a member of Peterson Cotty's touring band as my guest today on the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast welcome to broadway drumming 101 my guest today is joe nero he's done let me see i'm looking at his website aladdin american in paris annie book of mormon cabaret color purple greece la Le cage leap of faith with my man raul les Miz, matilda next to normal my god brock's tail cats hello dolly Band's visit, Frozen, Spider Man—you did that too. And South Pacific and Sister Act, something rotten. What haven't you done? <laughs> Seriously, what haven't you done? Have you done Wicked?
1: Yeah, that's on there. Keep going, man. I'm just, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Broadway Drumming One-on-One podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Clayton. Thanks for having me.
0: You're born and raised in Philadelphia.
1: I was born in Philadelphia, and I grew up uh, like. Right over the river in South Jersey. Are you a meat eater? Yeah. Do you like their cheesesteaks? I did, yeah. Do you have a favorite cheesesteak? Maybe. Uh, I, we used to go to Pat's. Okay. Yeah. But the place to go is Tony Luke's. And you don't get a cheesesteak there. You get a chicken cutlet sandwich with um, broccoli rob and sharp provolone. What? Yeah. Yes, really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> That's good information to know. I never knew that.
1: It's the cheesesteak, you know, I mean, you eat it and it feels good in your mouth and then you regret it about three minutes later. The chicken call it supreme. You won't regret that. So that's the way to go.
0: What was the thing that made you want to play drums?
1: Uh, my father is a drummer and a drum, drum teacher. He got me into it. So what did
0: he do? He said, boy, you better play this. like why not like tuba or or oboe or something like that why drums i mean was it just you know just some people tend to follow in the footsteps of their parents and some people just go in a different direction was it just something that you said you know this is so exciting he's really good at it or did he like push it uh for you to to try to emulate
1: no, no 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 there was no pushing for sure Um, no, I just always, I I always wanted to do that. I remember there was a VHS tape of my dad playing on TV with a big band. I must've watched it like thousands of times. I still remember the sound of the songs. Yeah. I just always wanted to do that.
0: You started (laughs) taking lessons from him or did you take lessons from somebody else?
1: Uh, yeah, it was lessons with him, I guess, not very formal. Uh, and then I had, like piano lessons and uh yeah piano lessons were the only other real lessons from another teacher I ever had yeah
0: did you uh play in you know junior high and in high school concert bands marching bands jazz bands
1: yeah everything and uh and then there was like um you know the all south jersey band I did that then there was the all state band and I did that and then there was the uh all Eastern. I like kind of the East coast, I guess I did that. And there was a, uh, um, mid Atlantic Grammy band thing, which was like Pennsylvania, Jersey and just the whole, that area. And I did that. It was a, a Philadelphia youth orchestra. I did that. Oh, there was a garden state pops youth Garden State Pops Youth Orchestra. I did that when I was like 12. So there was music all the time and like auditions all the time. And I was always preparing, you know, for these auditions for all these different things. And uh,
0: yeah. Did you always want to be a musician? I did. Yeah. Was it specifically Broadway that you wanted to do or was there any other kind of things that piqued your interest?
1: I was always interested in doing the theater. My, my father uh, did the theater uh, in Philly, uh, since the seventies. And then my, his, his brother-in-law. So it was like my, my mom and her sister married two musicians. So my uncle, uh, was a trumpet player in the theater too. And he was also my band director at the high school, uh, where I went and, um, they, they were playing the theater all the time. So that was a big part of uh, my growing up. Um, But I always knew that I would go to New York. That was my thing. Like, I'm going to not do Philly. I'm going to go to New York and be like, uh, I don't know, a session guy or something like play all kinds of music in New York. That was the goal. Always. Now, why not L.A. or Nashville? Everybody. I mean, everybody that I grew up with was talking about New York. That was the place to go. I I, I mean, I was into jazz, too. I, I used to hang out at this jazz club in Philly like every night and. Even those guys were like, if you want to do this, you got to go to New York. That's where it's happening. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that was always in my sights.
0: Um, Tell
1: me, about, you know,
0: some other drummers have told me about these all-state bands. I never yeah. really did that kind of thing. How does that work? Do you have to audition for these things and, and then you go around playing in different places?
1: Like at some point they would they would tell you what the pieces were that you were going to be auditioning with and you'd you'd buy the piece and learn it and then a couple months later they'd have this big audition and you're in this cafeteria at some school and there's like a 100 kids there and everybody's playing and then uh, you'd wait in line and go in and audition ball by yourself for it was like a blind audition and you see the teachers like with their backs to you and you do your thing and And then that same evening, you're sitting in the cafeteria and they'd read off the names of the kids that were in the band. You know, a couple months later, you'd go to like whatever it was, like five rehearsals and then do a big concert. So it was really cool. It was really fun.
0: Did you ever get a situation where they were reading off the names and your name wasn't on it?
1: No, but there was like a in the jazz band thing, there was like a junior there was like a junior band and a senior band. And I guess I was right in the middle age and all my friends made the senior band and I made the junior band. And I was like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But otherwise I I always seem to get in there.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you graduated from high school and you, did you decide to go to music school after that?
1: I worked my ass off on a classical audition and I learned like, um, had all this four mallet marimba stuff prepared and a couple, like I knew like a timpani concerto and all the snare drum. And I, and uh, so I did all these classical auditions and then I auditioned for the jazz program at Manhattan school of music. And I don't know, I really wanted to go to Manhattan school of music and I got in on jazz and actually, I think I got in on classical too. And I, but I, I went for jazz drums, and that's that's what I ended up doing. Yeah, Manhattan School for Jazz Drums. It was weird because I, I, I spent all my time on all this classical music, and then I, I didn't end up. Yeah, it just worked out that way, thankfully, because I'm I'm glad it worked out the way it did.
0: Would you ever want to? Would you ever go back and do the classical thing? I know you've done Broadway for so many years, but have you ever thought about doing the whole classical? percussion thing
1: or is that just out of the it's yeah it's not for me <laughs> i i still I, I there's i do a couple uh i'll, I'll do classical gigs I've, I've done stuff in the city before and uh i've I, I play percussion on some of these shows um but i would much rather play drums that's that's what i really want to be doing yeah so
0: tell me about the chamber orchestra of philadelphia and the delaware symphony orchestra
1: uh, that, that was when yeah were they were just school? more yeah, it was just more, yeah, high school stuff. Yeah. Wow. Where did, are you looking at a, where did you find this bio?
0: I just know everything about you, man.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, man.
0: <laughs> I, I research my guests here. I, I don't come here like, and hey, well, who are you
1: again? What you <laughs> No,
0: it was this <laughs> from the Curtis Institute of Music.
1: Tell me about that. What does this, where does it say that? <laughs> that was my father. My father went there. Oh, really? Where did I write? Yeah, where did I write that? Is that
0: your father? Your father's name is Joe Nero, too?
1: Oh, yeah. See, there, there. This is the problem. Now, you're all confused here. Oh, see, I don't even know who I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, my father went to Curtis in the 70s. He would have to sneak away to play drums somewhere because they didn't want him to do that, like an uh, undercover thing.
0: So wait, so your father's name is Joe Nero?
1: Yeah.
0: You're Joe Nero yeah, Jr.?
1: No, I'm not.
0: It's a problem. Wow. Okay. So if I'm looking up Joe Nero, this Curtis Institute of Music, that's not you? No, it's not me. Oh. I I did my research and I was wrong. So I'm going to get all of my information from you,
1: (laughs) Mr. Joe Nero. Okay. All right.
0: (laughs) All right. So you moved, you went to Manhattan School of Music and you've been here ever since. What piqued your interest in trying to play Broadway shows?
1: There was a community theater in my town, and when I was about 12, they were looking for a drummer, and I started working there. And I, they did like five or six little runs of shows per year, and I did that every year until I left that town. So I, I just been doing theater for uh, since I was like a little kid. Yeah. And they, I, they even let me, like, music direct some of the things. I got all my friends to come in and play. And, yeah, it was great. Um, so by the time I got to New York, I, I, I had done, you know, I don't know, 50 or 60 different productions of things. Wow. Just at that place. Yeah. Uh, and then my, my dad knew knew a couple people that were working on Broadway. Like he, he played um, the first national tour of Les Mis, came to Philly and sat there for a long time. Like I, it was at least six months or something. And Bill Lanham was the drummer. And that must've been 1989, I think maybe. So I was six years old and Bill Lanham came to my house and had dinner with us. And uh, so I know Bill from all the way back then. Wow. Um, and then when I got to New York, he was still doing Les Mis and I called him, this is the the original Les Mis, you know? So I called Bill and I sat in the pit with him and I, I thought it was so cool. He had just like, I don't know if you ever saw that or know what that book entails, but it's just like, um, an army of drums around him for a little, you know, a young drummer. It's like, wow, look at all this stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was intimidated when I saw him play. I'm like, holy shit, I can't do this thing.
1: I can't. Did you see him do it? Yeah. Yeah, It was a lot of drums.
0: Yeah, it was a lot. And he was playing this really difficult passages from time to time. I was like, you know what? I quit. I'll never be a Broadway drummer. But (laughs) things changed. Was that the first show that you worked on in New York City?
1: The first one I did was the Martin Short Show, and I played percussion. Um, that was in 2006, I think. And I subbed for Ed Shea. Um, And how did you meet him? Actually, he went to high school with my dad and I, I did take some lessons with him when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, that was really, really fun. Martin Short was really, really funny. (laughs)
0: How long did that last?
1: I don't know. Maybe like a year, a year and a half or something. I remember doing it all that many times. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was a fun one.
0: How did you prepare for that? Were you intimidated by the whole thing? It's like I'm playing a Broadway show or or were you confident in your abilities? Yeah. Uh,
1: No, I was terrified. (laughs) (laughs) I was terrified. There was some pretty serious vibraphone parts that I just played of, you know, thousands of times before i went there and then i ended up making a big mistake on like the easiest thing which which is happens a lot you know you stress so hard about the hard stuff and then you just you miss like wait for the cue and then hit the (laughs) bells you know (laughs) yeah so
0: looking back what would you have done differently would you uh as far as preparing for your first show, if you could give advice to someone say, you know, they moved to New York City, what advice would you give to them for someone that's playing their first show as a sub on Broadway?
1: The main thing is watching the conductor, I'd say, and knowing when to come in. Once the music starts, that's kind of the easy part. And I think and I think you should, um, you know, you, you have to know the parts, of course. You can't make any mistakes. They're counting on you to like to play it right. But my thing, especially lately, is anytime you got to play, you have to know like what what's happening on stage before I come in. Like, am I going to hear a line and then play or or not? Or every every single entrance should be crystal clear in your head. What is happening before I start? Yeah, I think that's the biggest hurdle. It's the getting into it. Yeah, when
0: you finished the Martin Short uh, run, I mean, I know you were subbing. Did you get offers for other shows, or how did you? Yeah, actually, I didn't.
1: Uh, <laughs> that was kind of it was kind of a dead end. I ended up, um, you know, what, what happened? Uh, they were looking for a drummer for the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels tour. I spoke to Howie Joined several times on the phone, and then I didn't get it. I remember, like, I, I thought I got it, and I was freaking out. And then I didn't get it, <laughs> and I was really disappointed. But from there, he he put me on a bunch of like Nymph shows, like right at the beginning of Nymph. It might have even been like the first or second year they even did that thing.
0: For those that don't um, know,
1: explain what Nymph is. So it's New York Musical Theater Festival, and um, they do it every year. I'm assuming it's still happening. Is it?
0: I'm not even sure. I haven't heard of it. And obviously, in a couple of years, but
1: since the pandemic, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, but so all these new shows would um yeah, it would be like a brand new show and you go do like maybe I think fifteen performances of it uh and In the very beginning, there I I remember it just being like piano and drums on stage, like very quiet. And now they're kind of building it up. They have like a sound department usually, and uh, so I don't know. I must have. I think I did three or four different ones that first year because Howie Howie got me on all these things, and that kind of opened the door. And then I um and then I subbed for John Clancy on. Grease uh, on, dr- on drums, and that was the first drum chair I did, yeah. And I, I actually played, he was working on Spider-Man, like, like years and years ahead of when the actual production, it might have been like five or six years ahead of when it actually went to Broadway, so he's, he was playing Greece, but he's working on Spider-Man and he had to miss a whole bunch of cast rehearsals. And so, um, I filled in on a bunch of cast rehearsals for him and then, uh, and then I ended up subbing there. Yeah. Now, where'd you meet John? That was through Howie Joins. Okay. Um, all because I, all because I didn't get that tour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it like went, yeah. So I guess you never know why things happen the way they do, you know?
0: So you started working for John at Greece that led to other opportunities to sub. Do you remember what was
1: the next thing after that? The next one I did was South Pacific for Bill Lanham. I came in very late in the run. Uh, that was amazing. It was a huge orchestra. I don't know if it was 40 or must. Yeah, I guess it was like 40 people at Lincoln center and the pit was uncovered. Uh, you were just kind of there or maybe it, it covered and then it would uncover at certain moments and you were like a big part of the show. And it was a lot of timpani and like light, pretty light, lighter drumming. Um, but yeah, he needed, he needed somebody that could, you know, do both worlds there, drums and percussion. Um, yeah. So I did that.
0: Do you find yourself more comfortable playing drums or percussion or do you feel comfortable in both worlds probably drums
1: if i had to like go on stage with the new New york philharmonic and play percussion I, I i don't think i could hang but if they were doing like you know guys and dolls or something i could hang on that <laughs> on percussion yeah okay yeah. but if it's if it's like Mahler, i'm just like well i don't i don't do this <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> yeah yeah no 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 i'll tell you who to call <laughs>
0: Who were some of your drumming
1: influences growing up? My favorite drummer is Sonny Payne. Who did Sonny Payne play for? Sonny Payne was a drummer with the Count Basie band, like in the 60s. And then I've, I got familiar with him from uh, his... The, when the Basie band played with Frank Sinatra, he was the drummer. So if you've ever heard Sinatra at the Sands, which is like super classic album, he's playing drums just crushing Yeah, it's great. And Quincy Jones is conducting the orchestra and did the arrangements. Wow! Um, So yeah, classic album. Yeah. Um, And then I, you know, I was super into Steve Gadd and Dave Weckel and uh, who Steve
0: Gadd again. I'm just kidding. kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then there was all these jazz guys. I was really into Bill Stewart for a stretch there. Steve Jordan is like one of my all time favorites. Um, those guys on all the Motown records, uh, yeah, I love it. Benny Benjamin, and uh, let's see who else. I'm a, B, I'm a Ringo fan, I think Ringo gets a bad rap.
0: I tell you, I saw that documentary. Did you watch that documentary, the recent documentary called Get Back?
1: Yeah, some of it, some of it. I haven't <laughs> seen the whole thing yet.
0: Yeah, it took me a while to get through it. I was like, oh my god, will they just get to the good part? <laughs> but when they got on the roof and Ringo was playing, I was like, man, this guy can play. You know, I never really paid too much attention to him. It, everybody talked about how much of an influence he was. And, and talking to a lot of our colleagues here on the podcast, the Ed Sullivan appearance of the Beatles was a, uh, a monumental shift in, in conscious consciousness for a lot of people in America. Yeah. But it it they were such a big influence on the world. But watching him play, even stuff that he did with uh I think I've seen some footage of him from that concert that they did at Shea Stadium. And he was just
1: kicking ass, man. Apparently they couldn't hear each other like at all. Yeah, yeah. And he's just wailing. Yeah, yeah. Man, but have you heard some of those alternate takes like Sergeant Pepper, like alternate alternate takes that were never used. He's I mean you'd mistake him for Steve Jordan or somebody like that. He's just crushing. It's killing. Yeah, it's it's so good. Yeah. Do you think he's underrated? I just think he gets a bad rap. Like I don't think he gets the credit like that he deserves. I, I don't know. Yeah, even I'm watching him
0: play that stuff with During those get back sessions, and just, you know, kind of being laid back and having the towels on his drums and and just playing kind of the right things and even playing something musical like uh, The Long and Winding Road. I think there's a part where he's just playing on the bell of the cymbal during some parts. And it's just very creative to me. And I just, I, I definitely have a newfound appreciation for his
1: contributions. I agree. Yeah, it was always the right part. The part was perfect. And, and often very, like, like nobody else would think to do that. It's like, how do you think to play that? Yeah. Right. I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah. Ringo, Sonny Payne, Steve Gadd, Steve Jordan.
1: Uh, Vinny Caluda was a big one for me. I transcribed a lot of Vinny stuff when I was in college. He's a mad genius, that guy.
0: Yes, he is. Did they make you transcribe a lot of things like that in college, in music school?
1: In uh, I was with John Riley at the Manhattan School, and every year we would uh do a transcription day. And so, all the people he was teaching, and at the time I was there with some super, like, super heavy dudes. Um, o- Obed Calvert was there, Joe Saylor, who's on the Colbert Report, he was there, Kim Thompson was there. She She was, you know, Kim, she was touring with Beyonce for a while. Lee Pearson was there. Henry Cole was there. Oh, Justin Brown was there. Marcus Gilmore was, uh, he was there. We were all there at the same time. So we're all in this room and we've all done transcriptions and we would play them for each other. Wow. Um, Yeah, it was really, really intimidating. And. And like super high level drumming just to be there with those dudes uh, playing this stuff. (laughs) That's great.
0: That that pushes you to, to excel. That's, that's great.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of pushing yourself to excel, you're subbing on Broadway shows and you have to get it right. Like you said, you have to follow the conductor and the pressure is on what's something that in your experience, since you've done so many different shows, what's something that a drummer should never do when subbing on a Broadway show?
1: I wouldn't try to bring your own thing to it. I think that's a big one. Don't step out of the paint. Paint inside the lines. Don't know your role. Don't step out of the, uh, what's expected. You know what I mean? They're expecting you to sit down and sound like the guy that was there all the time. So I wouldn't go there and try to play your own hot licks you worked out or something. Cause that's like an immediate X. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the biggest one. And don't make any mistakes. you just can't, they're counting on you to not make any mistakes. So don't make any. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. It's flip side. What's something that a drummer should always
1: do? Uh, watch the conductor. I would say don't, play a note without looking at the conductor.
0: Mm. So do you memorize the shows that you do or do you just internalize it, but are also having your, your face on the music, but one eye on the conductor?
1: Yeah, it's that I, I don't memorize unless I have to memorize, which is, you know, there's times where uh, my, my learning process I think is kind of like troubleshooting I'll I'm I go through the music and I'm looking for like, okay, this is a seven bar phrase. I might mess this up, so I have to pay attention to that. And then like, oh, this section here, I'm gonna be like looking over here to hit this symbol, so I should probably like memorize these couple bars so I can I don't have to look at the music while I'm doing this. Or, uh, you know, oh, there's like a big tempo change here. I'm gonna have to stare at the conductor, so I should memorize this little section. Um, yeah. So when I get, when I get music for a show, I'm, I'm scanning through like, what's going to be a problem, you know? And that's what I really focus on. Um, if it's just, you know, if it's just a two beat with no tempo changes for, for like eight pages, it's like, well, I think I got this one. I'm not going to stress about this one.
0: Yeah. What do you find in all of your years of, of playing shows, what was the thing that was the biggest mistake that you made
1: i've had a couple of good ones where you like boom and you hit it and no one else is playing <laughs> have you, you ever done that <laughs>
0: yes i it was on cats oh my god i was so embarrassed it was it was some song in cats i don't know why i played it but man i hit that thing i was like i thought i was you know Strong oh, and wrong. <laughs> exactly. It's like, man, I'm a rock star.
1: No, this is not You're rock back.
0: music.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got. You got to know. You got to know the. You got to know the conducting. Like, what is he going to be doing up there? Uh, because that's when I've stepped in the holes. When you know, I misinterpret a cue or something. Or, he does that and that's not for me
0: or whatever. Yes. Oh, wow. Forgot get with about that, that
1: conductor video, you know, get with that video and you just keep watching it.
0: <laughs> Tell me about, you know, all of these shows that you've done from late Ms. to Martin short to Matilda next to normal. Nice work. If you can get it, should have been new sister act wicked. What's the most difficult show that you've done?
1: Uh, they're all. I mean, they're all hard and and uh, thinking. Wicked is a hard one uh, because it's a big group. I think there's 27 people. There's no click track, uh, or there's very little click track. There's tempo changes constantly. I'm talking like, you know, four bars, and next four bars a little faster, and then this is a little slower, and you know, the second, the second verse is going to be a little slower than the first. It's, it's a lot. And they're counting on the drummer to lead the band of 27 guys. Uh, at least that's how it always felt to me. That's a hard one for that reason. Um, what else I play percussion on Aladdin. There's a lot of running from one instrument to the next, like, like literally run to the xylophone and and play something hard you know that's difficult for that reason um let me see some of these shows that are all click track from start to finish it's a that's a now that's a whole different game of like i i don't know i feel like now you're 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 uh it's like how okay how well do you play with the click track now we're gonna see like who can really play with the click track so you got to be able to do that so that's a different headspace. i remember next to normal being really hard with the there was really fast you're like rocking out and then really fast pick up the bell mallets and like play a solo over here and that was very stressful and that was like like um you got to be thinking ahead, like okay, I'm I'm wailing, but I got this thing coming, and I'm I have it memorized what it's going to be because I can't look at the music and the conductor and the bells at the same time. That was really hard. Yeah. Wow. Les Mis was really hard for the. There was a lot of stuff where the conductor would be like, "Bing," and then you hit the bells, <laughs> and it's like it's like okay, I can relax. Like, and there's a weird like. Uh, there's a weird like group think I mentality. And I, I think in the pit, like if you could just like get on the same wavelength as everybody else that's there every night and just relax. It's like, bing. And then you'll hit it. <laughs> but if you like had a, you know, three coffees and you go into play and you're stressed, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> that's what happened with me at cats. I didn't understand the, the way that, they think in that kind of setting. Cause again, like you just pointed out for those that didn't see it, he's putting down his hands as the downbeat, but like half a second later, that's when everybody comes in. And at the very beginning of cats, it, for some reason for me, I just, I was like, one, two, ready, go, whatever the melody was. But I'm just, I was trying to be right on the downbeat, but they were like, a half beat later and they were all there and i'm like i gotta remember to like play along with them yeah it's a different way of thinking just like like you pointed out playing with a click track you have to like focus on the click and then not only pay attention to the click but also be musical when you're doing it so you're not stuck on that what were some of the things speaking of clicking, <laughs> clicking. Speaking of click Perfect tracks, thing. did you uh, have a lot of training with that kind of thing in school, or was it that something that you learned just from being being out in the world and and playing music in in different places?
1: I think everyone should practice with a metronome, and I've been doing that for as long as I can remember. Uh, and then, as I've gotten older, my perspective on how to actually play with it with a band has sort of i guess matured yeah if it's working right and everybody's playing with it i you you're not going to hear it so much first of all and you're not going to think about it so much either it's just kind of there going and you're playing and everything's fine yeah if you're like struggling to catch up to this click it's a problem. <laughs> Something's not working right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that's like that old joke. It always speeds up at the hard parts and slows down at the easy parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've
0: met so many different musicians just looking at this list of of shows from Jared Schoenick to Bill Lanham to Damian Bassman to John Redsicker, I'm sure. Did you sup for him at Aladdin?
1: I haven't, but I, I play um, percussion with him whenever yes. I'm there. Yes, so I know John, yeah. Was
0: Paul Pizzuti, uh, who was on Lacage?
1: I've played with Paul. Uh was Sean McDaniel.
0: Sean McDaniel.
1: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> Holly was on Matilda. Yeah. Uh, Matt Vanderend, Bill Lanham, yeah. Br- Bronx Tale, I forgot who was on that.
1: That's a uh, Perry Kavari. Yes, he's great. <laughs> yeah. You got to get him on here, man.
0: Yeah, I got. He's actually, the best. He's <laughs> the gotta, best. I got to reach out to him. I haven't, I haven't actually, you know, had too many conversations with him, but yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, been around for a long time. So all these different drummers, Broadway legends like yourself, how you go around? How did you go about meeting
1: all these people? When I met Sean McDaniel, he he needed. We didn't know each other. I think I, he heard about me somehow. I, I I was doing South Pacific for Bill Lanham, and I think Sean needed another sub uh, for Lakage. That's what it was, and uh, yeah, it was it was high. It was kind of a high stress. Uh, is it the conductor was demanding. It was like a high stress situation. Yeah, you were like in this little area, like right up against the conductor, uh, playing a lot of drums, and he wanted it soft and and precise, and and uh, it's uh, and he he conducted every beat. I mean, like every beat of every song was where he wanted it. It was a it was a high stress uh, thing. Um, so Sean gave me a shot and uh, the conductor liked me. And that, once I did that, that like, I started meeting all these people. Sean started telling me, like, oh, I got this guy. He did a good job. And I started to go into a bunch of things. Yeah, that got the ball rolling.
0: You eventually had your own show at one time, correct?
1: I did. That, yeah, that um, the conductor from uh, Lacage hired me to play percussion for Annie. For I had did two years, and then I've had a couple off Broadway things too, but I haven't had the big the drum chair yet on Broadway. What were the off Broadway shows that you had? I did a show called Adrift in Macau. I did a show called Invisible Thread. Uh, I did. Yeah, that's all I got so far in New York. Yeah, I I I did like a a couple things in. san diego i did the first wives club out there um there was a show called sleeping beauty wakes that i did out there did you ever do any broadway tours i turned down a bunch of tours to be honest i i always wanted to stay in town yeah i've covered tours like go out for a couple of weeks and come back but um i always wanted to stay in town and, and when yeah i've also always felt like uh you know, I'm, it's like, OK, I'm subbing on 10 different shows in town. This is taking me like, how many hours do you think go into getting 10 shows ready to go? And like, I might as well just stay in town and do this, you know.
0: So right now you're subbing on 10 different shows?
1: I think I got eight and two more in, on the on the. Docket, I don't know what you call it. Really? <laughs> I got a wow. stack, stack of music, I got to learn. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's amazing, man. I when I interviewed Sean McDaniel, I think I can't remember how many he said he was doing at one time, but it was a lot, a couple more than you. And then, yeah, he
1: might have had a, a dozen, I think, or 13. He likes yeah, to 12 say. or
0: 13. And then <laughs> Joe Horosheski told me he, he did very similar things as you and, and had so many. Shows at one time. I'm like, man, me doing two, and I was like, my my brain was gonna explode. I'm like, man, how do you manage all that stuff?
1: For me, it's all about the charts. Like learning, it's like learning the music from the chart. You have to learn it the right way the first time because you could. It sounds weird, but if like you learn it the wrong way at the beginning, it's hard to break out of that and I just had an experience go- going back to some of these shows after the pandemic like okay I haven't played this in two and a half years and I'm thinking like oh man I can't I, I don't remember these songs I don't even like I can't think of a single song that's in this show <laughs> and then I opened up the music I like I'm looking at the drum charts and I'm, I'm like oh yeah I hear it in my head going so it's it's something about looking at the charts that cues my memory of what it's going to be and uh Yeah. And it's when I go there, it feels like I just did it, you know, even if it was like a couple weeks or something. Yeah. Also, I find it very traumatic. So I think it's it's like a traumatic experience that you're never going to (laughs) forget.
0: Do you still get nervous going into shows now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. The first time is the most stressful. The second time you're less stressed, but more prone to make a mistake. Don't ever forget that. So, you don't let your guard down until you've done it like four times or something. Yeah. The second one is where I'm like, that's like the inner turmoil of like, oh man, I know I'm going to do something wrong. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I know it's coming.
0: <laughs> and that's when you hit the symbol when no that's one else right, is doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, you get the first one done, and everybody's like, "Man, great job, great job!" And you come back,
1: "Yeah, I got this. I got this." Right? No, you don't. No, no you, don't. you don't got it. You don't got it yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, you gotta always stay on your on your toes. You played with many different people outside of theater. I can't remember the the name. There's a pianist that you worked with for many many years. I know you worked with many different pianists, but. I forgot the name of the, the artist that.
1: Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I, I tour with this guy named Peter Sincati. That's it. Yeah. And he, um, he has a new record coming out that we, I did the drums over the pandemic for the, his new album. And we're going to be touring with the new music soon. So I'm excited about that. Yeah.
0: Have you played on many of his other albums?
1: Uh, this was the first album I've played on, yeah um it was a cool experience. He has a list of heavy hitter drummers on his previous albums, so uh i was I was intimidated and uh and honored at the same time.
0: <laughs> That's cool, yeah. man. When are you going out
1: uh we have some. California dates in May or April. Uh, There's a show in New York in April. He's got some Asia stuff in May that I'm excited about. Uh,
0: Uh, What part of Asia?
1: uh, Definitely going to Korea and I'm hoping possibly Japan as well. I I don't know. Maybe I'm not supposed to say that, but uh, that would, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's going to be fun. I haven't been to Japan
0: yet. Yeah, me neither. I hear it's great. Me too. Doing shows, has that led to you getting any kind of endorsements?
1: No. <laughs> Just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: no. And thank you very much for uh, word.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but if Vic Firth is watching, I'm available, you know. <laughs> uh, Yama, Remo, anyone? Hello? Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well, you played Peter Sincotti. Has that <laughs> has that uh, helped in any way with any endorsements?
1: No, <laughs> no, I don't have any yet, but I'm working on it. All right, we got we got to yeah. work on your
0: website and endorsements. <laughs> we'll get that. We'll get that handled. Uh, I was going to ask you, you know, where can people find you? Joe Nero Drums dot com or Joe Nero dot just
1: Joe Joe dot com. Yeah. And then my Instagram is joe nero drums. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I need a new uh, social media team, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: too busy subbing me. You got too much stuff on your plate. <laughs> Are you working be. on uh, any projects of your own right now? Any musical projects?
1: Nah, not nothing to speak of. But uh, I have a. I have a space where I record drums, so I'm in there often recording tracks for people and uh, teaching and stuff.
0: So oh, that's yeah. great.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: for those who are interested, I kind of asked this before. I'm going to ask it again. For those that are interested in doing what you do for a living, what advice would you give to them?
1: Uh, just keep practicing, keep studying. Um, yeah, look like whatever kind of music that you gravitate towards, go down the rabbit hole. Like, where did this come from? Who did it? You know, how did we get to this? Uh, there's always a there's a history behind all the musics, and whichever one is yours, I think you should dig into the history and keep practicing. Yeah. And then if you're really a great player, people are going to hear about you. At least that's what, yeah. That's That's what happened to you. That's what we used to say. Oh, thanks. Thank you.
0: Your name, you know, your name gets around. And I remember hearing about you years ago. You know, we've never actually had a chance to work together. Not yet, at least. And hopefully in the near future, you will have your own show. Then the endorsements will come and, (laughs) (laughs) and you will be like, Clayton, I need you to sub. And I'd be like, okay, finally. (laughs) But, uh, I wish you well. And, and you're going to be working on these two new shows and doing this Peterson Cotty tour. And you got your hands full. I'm, I'm glad to see that you're working. And, uh, always a good thing when people are employed and I'm thankful that you're a part of this podcast. You had a lot of interesting things to say and sharing your insight as far as subbing is, is very, very, very interesting to me because when I started to sub, I just realized it was something that is is definitely a special skill and not everyone can do it very well And and you've been clearly doing it better than most people because you have so many different shows, like you said, on your docket.
1: (laughs) Oh, thanks.
0: (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thanks again, man. And, uh, And ladies and gentlemen, Joe Nero on the Broadway Drumming 101 podcast. Talk to you soon.
1: All right. Be well.